Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And then, uh... Now, just so I'm clear, um, Stronger Advice is your new book, right? Strong Advice, yeah. Strong advice, yeah. Okay, I strong got stronger advice, yeah, here. Right. No, just strong. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you didn't have a new book in the making that I wasn't aware of yet, so... Uh, uh, I might, but uh, nobody knows about <laughs> okay, that. Okay, good. So, uh, yeah, we'll just play it by ear, man. I know you're uh, good at talking. I've watched a few of your interviews now. Uh, I was so... so oh, man, I'm so happy to see you on uh, Ruben. And oh, thanks, I'm happy man. to see Shapiro picking you up. I'm a, I'm a lefty, man. I'm a former... Um, almost a 10-time Green Party candidate here in Ontario. Okay. Uh, Ontario, I don't know if you know where I'm at, but I'm across the lake from Toronto, uh, mm-hmm. right near Niagara Falls. I'm in a town called St. Catharines. We're right on the south shore of Lake Ontario. Um, I got red-pilled. I don't know how it happened, man, but I am, really. I'm just so um, I'm surprised that it was so painful coming off my beliefs. You know, I was mm. pro-choice. I was pro capital punishment, and I've maybe not reversed my opinion on everything, but I, you know this. When, late, when when did that when did that all happen? Uh, I think it happened slowly, but it start, I think Peterson triggered it with uh, seeing how the left was reacting to him and mm-hmm. uh, these trans activists. Um, do you want to do you want to do, do this as part of the podcast or is this? Yeah, yeah. You know off? what? We should probably should. Good ideas. Uh, I, I'm just wondering. I, it sounds like an interesting conversation. Yeah, so. yeah. All right. Let's get rolling here. And we are rolling there. Live with Zuby. Brother, thank you for the time, man. We are live now on Facebook. So uh, if you've got... uh, Is there a way I can share it? Yeah, you can see it on Jim Fannin, um, my personal page. Let me just make sure. Let me see if there's... If there's, if I can share it on mine, then I will. All right, beautiful. Appreciate it. And then uh, back to Skype. Where am I? Yeah, I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to make sure that we're rolling here. And that's all I okay. need is a picture of you, so that's good. Um, that's good man. So wh- where on Facebook do I go to? Yeah, just check uh, Jim Fannin. It should be uh, maybe a link on the Jim Fannin show too, but at Jim Fannin should come up. Facebook.com slash Jim Fannin. You should see it there. Okay. It should be public, too, so I don't think we have to be connected for you to see it. I'm a fan of your page, though, and I subscribe today to the YouTube channel, put myself on notifications, waiting for some new stuff to come out. Nice one, man. Thank you. Are you seeing it now? Uh, uh, I see the announcement on your main page. Let me just check. Okay, cool. I will Let's see if I can share this here. I forgot I had the tape over my camera. I'm that That's afraid, okay. I'm that afraid of Big Brother. <laughs> and I don't even sit naked in front of my computer often. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Gavin McInnes the other day on his podcast. He's like he was talking about the effects of caffeine on his um, 
sexual parts, and he was sitting naked while he was recording the show. And I'm on my walk, <laughs> and I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm walking down the street in the North End over here, and I'm just killing myself laughing. I can't even believe he's talking about this. <laughs> oh wow! Anyway, all right, I'm I'm gonna share it on my on my page and also right. my personal profile. Cool, so I'm man. sure a few. I appreciate it. I'm sure a couple of Zuby fans who are milling around will. Yeah, tune well, I already getting all kinds of action on the last tweet that you sent out, so I appreciate that. Um, I know you're well, you're you were a small guy not even that long ago, but uh, it's weird how the social media can make you uh, internet famous almost immediately. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> so I really have been watching your growth; it's been really cool. Uh, so when, when did you when did you start following me? Uh, good question. Um, I can't remember whose show it was that you got exposure on, or how, maybe it was the Translifter Deadlift. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it, it was for a lot of people. It hasn't been a long time. So, anyway, Zuby is my guest. Follow him at Zuby Music on Twitter. Firstly, guy's a stud. Look at him. Uh, you can't see him now, but you'll see it later. Uh, fiercely handsome, Oxford educated, a British rapper, podcast host of the program Real Talk with Zuby. He's an author, a motivational fitness and training coach and self-declared free thinker love that and inspiration for millions his new book strong advice and album uh perseverance the best of zuby are available now and uh, everywhere so welcome zuby to the show man first uh i, I just want to say thank you for the time i know uh you've got a lot of uh pub lately we were just talking about you know how you know social media can make you an internet star almost overnight i know we can talk about how that happened uh, but yeah, if you could, I know you've probably done this a few times, but just for my listeners and, and people that are watching the show now, try to go back to the beginning a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got to where you are, just a, a good solid primer in the background of who Zuby is. Yeah, no problem at all, man. Um, so I'm Zuby. I'm a full-time independent professional rapper. Um, I have achieved quite a lot completely independently, including selling over 25,000 albums around the UK. I've performed in eight different countries, reached, uh, had my videos viewed online over 5 million times, uh, got over 120,000 followers across social media, and opened up for a few well-known artists, including Tech 9 Akala, The Far Side. And um, yeah, I also run a podcast called Real Talk with Zuby, which comes out every Friday. I talk to a whole bunch of interesting guests on there. Had guys like uh, Gadsad, Dave Rubin, uh, lots of other well-known people on there and lots more to come. And I've also recently become an author after releasing my first book, which is a fitness ebook called Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. That just came out in May. So yeah, got a whole bunch of uh, strings in the bow. I also do some public speaking, some coaching whole bunch of stuff, man. I'm trying to do everything. <laughs> cool, man. So uh, tell us about how you got started and your claim to fame here as far as the early days. I know we'll talk about uh, your mm. deadlift record uh, coming up, but uh, how, how has this progressed, how slowly, and maybe some tips on others that are you know, considering dipping their toe in the podcast pool or, or the ebook pool or what have you? Yeah. Okay. Well, the podcast and ebook, those are brand new for 2019. I just started my podcast in mid-January. I've done uh, over 40 episodes so far. That's actually going to be uh, – there's a local radio station here where I live in Southampton, UK, that's actually picking it up. And it's going to start broadcasting on their station uh, in a couple weeks' time, nice. which is really cool. So it'll go out on radio man, as well. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the book, also, that was a one-month turnaround. So those two things really? were not things that I – yeah, I wrote the whole book in uh, about two weeks. Wow. So 
I was not necessarily planning on becoming a podcaster or an well podcaster podcasting I'd been thinking about for a while so mm-hmm. I knew that was coming the book though that came more on a whim and I was like you know what why don't I do this I sat down blocked out a week and just sat down and did it um, in terms of everything else though going back going going back to the core of what I do of course being a rapper being a musician so I um I studied computer science at Oxford University. And when I was there in my very first year, I started rapping just for fun. I actually got stuck in an airport one time when I was traveling and I had a 24 hour layover in Paris and I had not didn't have much to do. I just had um, my MP3 player with me, so a pen and some paper, and I just started writing down some rhymes. I've been a hip hop fan for since my teenage years. So I've I guess I'd rapped before, but always rapping other people's stuff. This was my very first time ever putting pen to paper and writing my own stuff. And I picked it up fairly quickly. Um, fast forwarding a little bit when I was in my second year of university after I'd been rapping for about nine or ten months I actually released my very first album so I put out my first album when I was in university it was called Commercial Underground and that had a song on there called Step Into Me which was my very first single and my first music video which got a lot of love they played it on the BBC radio in Oxford BBC Introducing supported it Um, the music video got played on national TV the video was uh, shot in, shot in the university as well, so it was a little bit different. I think it was probably the first rap video shot at Oxford University. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it was a little bit different. It was kind of my USP. It was like, okay, this guy's in Oxford, and also he's rapping. That's a little bit different. So I finished university. I got my degree. I did one year. I did my music full time, and then I actually moved to London to go and work in the corporate world. So I was a consultant. I worked for um, a management consultancy company for several years for three years in total. And then in late 2011, wow, that's a while ago now, I uh, took the plunge, I jumped out and I went to doing my music full time and just hit the streets and started grinding really, man, just started putting out my albums, putting out my CDs, just going traveling all over the country and selling them, doing gigs in different places, organizing my own tours. A lot of that stuff, you know, I, I still do to this day. I mean, I'm still independent. So everything I've done, everything I've established so far, a lot of times people think I've got some manager or agency or some publicity behind me or anything, but no, it's all genuinely been done off my own back. I design my own merchandise for the most part. I design my own album covers. Um, I do most of the stuff like I'm a true DIY artist with the exception of making beats. I'm not a producer. I work with different people on the beats, but pretty much everything else down to my websites, like really? I built you, and created man. all that stuff myself. Self-made. That's awesome. And, uh, Tell us about your experience. You certainly don't come off as a victim in, in this victim culture of the left. <laughs> Everyone's a victim, intersectionality. I mean, if you're black and then you can go all the way down the, the list. Tell mm-hmm. us about your experience and, you know, you're growing up. I know you, you were raised in, uh, you spent a decade in Saudi Arabia. You were born there, mm-hmm. I, th- I think. I wasn't born there. I was okay. born in the U.K. Okay. Yeah, Tell so us about your experience, though, as, uh, you know, from your perspective. Yeah, no problem at all, man. So um, my family background, my parents are originally from Nigeria, but I was born in the UK along with uh, my siblings. And um, we moved to Saudi Arabia um, when I was a baby. So I went I went to preschool there. I went to school there. Um, it was like an international school slash American school. So that's why my accent to this date sounds like the way it does now. I've been in the UK on and off for 20 years. But you sound my accent Canadian just, to me, brother. I sound Canadian. Yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's the one because I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of people hear like a combination of American and English. So okay. Yeah. Well, that would work out think, to be Canadian. Almost, yeah, right? a lot of people think that it's Canadian, or you know, it doesn't matter where people are from. Like, 
uh, everyone thinks it's American or Canadian. Yeah, but um, so I was so I grew up in Saudi Arabia for the most part. I did go to boarding school in the UK from a pretty young age, uh, from the age of about eleven. So between eleven and all my time throughout university, I was back and forth between the two countries all the time. And so, um, yeah, so I was there and then moved to the UK permanently about 10 years ago. So I've lived in a few different cities here. I'm now based in Southampton. Before that, I was in Bournemouth. And before that, I was in London. Before that, I was in Bristol. So um, I'm very well traveled. I've been to like 32 different countries, performed in eight of them, and got a whole lot more to do. Nice. Uh, I, I want to touch on some of the guests that you've had on. And your, man, your channel is starting to grow well. Uh, it, it's tough, tough getting it to take. Eh? I mean, unless you get something to go viral like you, you did in what was it, February with the transgender yeah. uh, lifting. We'll talk about that. But um, you know, for you know, I saw Shapiro commenting on you. I know you were on Ruben's show. I think he's been on your show as well. Having Gad said, I mean, Gad said, you know, I know he calls, <laughs> calls himself the sexiest man alive, and I got to give him Lebanese love all over that man. I just love that self-deprecation, and you know how he talks about what a great soccer star, football star he is. And uh, I know you've had Megan Murphy on. I had Megan Murphy oh, yeah, on. Yeah. Still one of my my all-time uh, um, most listened to shows or viewed shows. Uh, Megan Murphy at that time was, and still has carried her prominence over. Um, Ashley St. Clair, another here, yeah, yeah. here we have a young independent thinker, um, just happens to be a conservative and a Trump supporter who's just getting murdered, murdered on social media out there. You know what I mean? She's, blow, she's blown up though. She's gained, she's gained 50,000 followers since I, yeah. since I featured her on the show. Yeah, so and the things they say about her, it's just incredible. <laughs> and, you know, you, you gotta be careful what you wish for, because, you know, at one time, you know, I'm a former terrestrial radio guy. Um, I had a couple different shows and, um, you know, you come out to the social media and it's, it's a different world because the interaction, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and you want, you really got to have thick skin. And, you know, I'm a student at Gary V's a little bit. And I, I think I heard you say, or, or even Crowder said the other day on his clothes for uh, louder with Crowder on Thursday night, it's just do something. He struggles with, uh, mental health issues, just get out of bed and just do it, man. And yeah. uh, so I know you've had some help along the way as far as some viral help on social media, uh, had some great guests. But what, you know, and I heard Tim uh, Poole say the other day, oh, so you want to be a, a YouTube star, eh? Well, I've been working for two years doing mm -hmm. seven videos a day on three channels and, mm -hmm. and six, 16 hours a day, you know? like yeah. So you want to be a YouTube star? Here's how you do it. So you no, dude, eat. man, in anything, bro. I mean, I've been, I started, I released my first album in 2006. So to anybody who thinks like Zuby has just showed up in 2019, like, no, there's a whole, there's a whole catalog for you, yeah. which you can go and discover. I mean, if you look at all my social media accounts, all of them are more than 10 years old. The newest one is like eight years old. The right. oldest one is 15 years old. I've been on Facebook for 15 years. Wow. So yeah, yeah, so so you know you can go on Twitter. Like I joined in two thousand and nine. So oh, the man. yeah, a lot of people have discovered me. Not just this year. I mean, I gained a lot of followers last year as well, just because I started um, putting more of myself out there, putting more of my thoughts, my observations about the world, and just things that go on in my mind. I started putting that out there more rather than kind of siloing off my personality and only putting out my music and my art. I decided to just become a bit more open with it because it seemed like the world needs more rational voices 
And I was like, okay, I talk about all this stuff in private with people, with my parents, with my siblings, my family, my friends. So why don't I start putting out some of these ideas or opinions on Twitter primarily? Like my other ones, I still, I don't know, I don't put out too much on there. I just think Twitter is a good platform for it because I can, I can write, you know, I can write, I can just talk, I can think out loud in short bursts. I don't need to put up a photo or worry about getting crushed by the Facebook algorithm and it's a lot faster than YouTube too. So I found that um, that's just been a great platform for me and it's my biggest platform and you know, the other ones are sizable, but I just think that Twitter in terms of a social network for all its flaws and for all its annoyances, I do think it's the best social network out there. Hmm. And so uh, tell us about what put you, is this what put you over the edge with this, uh, this uh, video you took at the gym, which was, absolutely hilarious brother like i mean that's what i love most about you is your well i i love your heart most because i think you know when you were saying you you put a little bit more of yourself out there i'm saying in my mind are you just being honest and open as before where you couched i mean you can't i see you talking about abortion you're talking about some really heavy subjects out there yeah man lots of that stuff people tend to keep to themselves because they don't want the backlash yeah, but do you know do you know what it is that made me become more outspoken is the fact that I realized that people who held very opposing views, values, beliefs and ideas to me, many of which I think are destructive, they are very outspoken. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, someone needs to counter some of this narrative. I mean, you you touched on before the before we were really we were really rolling, you talked about uh, Jordan Peterson. You've already mentioned people like Gad Sad, Dave Rubin, you know, people who are known for being public figures who speak out and speak honestly and have conversations about some of the stuff going on in society. And that's important because you've got people who are pushing some crazy ideas and all it takes for crazy ideas to completely infiltrate and perhaps even dominate society in the long term is for people not to say anything. And most people don't want to say anything. The moderate There's middle lot... is silent for the most part. Yeah, ex- exactly. But that's the majority of people. That's mm-hmm. the thing. So you can hear this fringe and that fringe the and extremes. that fringe and that fringe. Those they, they tend to be – people who are more radical tend to be more outspoken. Right. So they'll be there like you know pushing their crazy ideas and that's mm-hmm. fine. They've got the freedom of speech to do, to do that. I'm not trying to deplatform or shut anybody down. Right. But if someone is saying this on that side, it's like, okay, well, what about what about this side? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that other side, I wasn't hearing. I was, you know, there were a couple of voices out there, but I was like, okay, I need to, I need to start putting some of my thoughts out there. And one, one thing that's really interesting is, I feel like I, um, I mean, I guess everyone thinks that their position and their opinions make sense, but like, <laughs> so this seems like almost like a moot point. But I do genuinely feel like, on most things I have an opinion on, my opinion is very like reasonable and well thought out and backed by logical thought and research and thinking and stuff. It's not just like something I heard from some. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Science where science is relevant, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, there's some places where not everything is scientific. Some stuff is just like, okay, just an idea or a philosophy or a way of viewing the world or morality or something. Yeah. Some of those things are hard to, you know, science is very useful and science is very valuable, but Mm -hmm. science doesn't answer everything science doesn't tell you how to run a country or how to run a family or how to run yourself right or science faith. yeah no yeah. oh or you know what's the point of us being here like science yeah. doesn't 
science can't answer that. It can tell me how my food digests and why I'm stuck to the ground when I, you know, and why when I jump, I fall back down. Right? It can explain all that, but it can't tell me anything on a different plane, right. um, which is where, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian myself and I'm, I'm very, I'm very open and honest about that. You know, I'm, I'm a believer in God, but I think whether or not people believe in God or any traditional religion, it's very, it seems almost inevitable that all human beings search for meaning. And I think once you're really searching for that, most people understand that science itself isn't going to, doesn't have all the answers. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't, science doesn't explain the whole human condition, if you want to call it that, right. or your, your own personal situation. Um, it, that's not really what it's for. So what I find is, you know, even amongst people who don't believe in, you know, people who are atheists or even anti-theists or who don't follow any specific religion, they still crave, inevitably crave some kind of higher purpose or purpose. meaning or, or ideology or mm -hmm. some kind of explanation, you know, otherwise it is just like, okay, we're just animals on a big spinning rock hurtling through space, like spinning around a sun, spinning around a giant star. And that's okay. <laughs> but it's like, all right, so how do we treat each other? How do we treat ourselves? what's the point? Like I've got, we've got between 70 and a hundred years. Like what do we, what do we do with them? Yeah. Like, are we meant to, yeah, you know, so there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, uh, it doesn't answer. And I think that, um, yeah, I mean, however people find an answer to that, as long as it's not destructive and harmful to other people, I'm cool with, like, I don't care about, um, you know, I'm not someone who tries to like, push my beliefs on anything on mm -hmm. other people if someone wants to know my opinion or, or my view i'm very happy to explain it if they disagree with me and they want to have that discussion or debate i'm cool with that you know i've i like talking to people of all different belief systems and ideas you know as long as people are cool and respectful then i'll talk to i'll talk to anybody you know mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't like being stuck in an echo chamber i like to understand the world around me i want to know how other people tick if there's if there's something that i believe and someone else has like the polar opposite opinion. My thing isn't like, oh, I want to like escape from that person or like it's, it's actually like, oh, OK, that's a discussion I want to have. Yeah, yeah. Because I think most people do have good intentions. Right. And most people's beliefs. I mean, I think a lot of people's beliefs kind of come from other people and they just adopt them and they sure. don't really think about them. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, that's even more important to have those discussions because there are so many people. Like people say, um especially online people are like oh don't bother discussing or debating with people online and you can't change it. i'm like dude i've changed a lot of people's minds just on twitter and i know that really? for a fact. Yeah. So like yeah i've changed a so lot many of people people's say minds oh, you're never gonna change anybody's period yeah no I, I get dms from people who are like yeah man like i just you know read that thread you were saying or followed this discussion you were having and you've made me like think about that whole issue differently because i've never eh? Yeah, yeah, you know, because they're, you know, there's, oh, I've, you know, I've just never thought of it that way, and I think that's what it is. A lot of people don't think about things thoroughly. Like with myself personally, anything I have a strong opinion on, I only have a strong opinion on it because I've really, really thought about it from different angles and listened to both sides or different sides of the argument and approached it in different ways. And as a result, I've now come to this position, which can, which can still potentially change. You know what I mean? Sure, like nothing yeah. is necessarily completely set in stone a hundred percent, but they, you know, there are a couple of big issues, which I have changed my mind on over the years. And that's been from having these discussions and hearing the different arguments and kind of processing that myself. 
Um, but there's as opinionated as I am, there's most things I don't have a strong opinion on. Right. You know, like I, I there's a, most things I don't know. Uh, if someone asks me about, I don't know, the Israeli Palestine conflict, oh, I'm yeah, like, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion. I've, I've listened to both sides. Both sides seem to have fair points and fair mm-hmm. grievances, but I don't, I don't know enough about the history sure. and all the ins and outs. And you know, that's like a whole field of study. So I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and put out some big yeah. spiel because I'll, I'll end up looking stupid because there'll yeah. be thousands of people who understand it better than I do. Sure. Whereas on other issues, it's like, okay, cool. I can put this out there and I can argue, you know, I can argue my position or I can sure. explain why, how I've come to this conclusion, whether or not, you know, whether or not people agree, that's fine. But this is my own thought. Now, I appreciate your, your thoughts on that and, uh, you know, your Christianity. I'm Christian. I was raised a Christian. You know, I remember when I was old enough but young enough still to make up my mind and say, you know what? I'm hedging my bets, dude. If I get up there and all it took was for me to believe and I find <laughs> out that I got to go downstairs instead of upstairs because I didn't believe, the least I can do is while I'm on this filthy planet is believe. Okay, no problem. So it was all it was all self-preservation, I'm telling you. Um, and, you know, the other, you know, I don't pray or read the Bible as much as I should. I'm really involved at my church because I call it Rock and Roll Pretty Church. It's like they've got some really good resources. It's like okay. The first half is like a rock and roll show. I can see how that moves people. It's a Pentecostal, I think. So, you know, but I grew up Catholic. I was confirmed Catholic, and I struggle with it all day. And like I said, I don't pray as much as I should. I pray when I'm down on my knees, when I'm broken, when I'm when I'm when when there's no nothing left. I turn to God, right? And I've just only learned to say thank you for the blessings, not where are you? Uh, the you know months ago, I remember telling my men's group, I prayed the other day. I was like, God, if you're there. <gasps> Oh, what the, what do you mean, God, if you're there? Like, I mean, that's not a faithful man. You know what I mean? So I, I really struggle with it. Um, but it's been there my whole life. And, and some of it was conscious and some of it wasn't. But I appreciate your thoughts on godlessness. I mean, maybe it's because my 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 faith is strengthened that, I, that I'm a little bit more out there on the front lines being attacked for my belief. You know, okay. I, I, there's a couple arguments you know, one is it's not a baby until it comes out of the womb. I, I can, we can't even discuss that after. It's oh just gosh. a clump of cells. I can't have an educated debate with you. And the other yeah. thing is, oh, there's no God. You you believe in some silly man in the sky. Okay, well, you know mm-hmm. what? If you're going to crush on me for that. so. But I appreciate your, your position, your observations on how – this godlessness, you know, the, you know, Nietzsche wasn't said we killed God is dead. Well, I know yeah. that he wasn't celebrating that when he said God is dead. Uh, he was lamenting it and, and he, mm-hmm. he was worried about, you know, the foundations of uh, Western civilization being cut out from underneath us because the bedrock was Christianity and God. Yeah. And the other thing, that, and I know you probably this isn't a, you know, the fatherlessness in the States. You know, these are two things where I think have spectacularly impacted society today, especially in the States, you know, fatherlessness. You know, I love this uh, program Robert Bly put out. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called A Gathering of Men. And he really talks about the lack of elders that men have today. So what? Now they're mentored by gangs. You know, so I just appreciate your thoughts on on both godlessness and, and fatherlessness as we move away from what it seems like. Uh, a more religious society and one that has real strong role models in the house. That's a, wow, 
that's a Lord that's a lot right there, yeah. man. That's that's, that's why heavy. Gave me the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that's heavy, man. Um, okay, so I'll start with um, I, well, it's, I guess tackling both of them to begin with. I think that what's weird is um, in the in the modern Western world, obviously we live in a very very hyper you know fairly hyper liberal society now. Certainly in the Anglosphere, so you know UK, Canada, Australia, Western Europe, UK. Uh, so and that's and that's got some good things, you know. In, in terms of like my general views, I'm I'm fair. I'm very. I'm very libertarian minded okay. in that I don't think people should I don't like the idea of forcing people to do stuff really um, beyond not harming beyond not harming each other and right. not taking each other's stuff and not killing each other. I'm generally of the belief I I'm, I'm generally nervous about putting restrictions from a top down perspective um on what people can and cannot do. Not because I think that people should do everything like very 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 far from it like i'm pretty socially conservative i don't even drink I don't, i've never smoked i've never taken drugs anything like that i don't even have any tattoos or anything like that it's just not for me but i at the same time if somebody wants to do those things provided they're doing it on their own volition and they're not harming other people in the process and they're old enough to consent you know as far as legally concerned like of course like have at it like do do what you want um but i think that What's weird is that we've lost a lot of – I say we talking about the modern Western world. I think that people are forgetting the roots and the foundations and I think there's this almost – I don't know if I'd call it arrogance or complacency that you can kind of just completely tear out the roots from the tree and people are expecting the tree to stay standing and I think that goes for both – Religion and a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that one. There's some people are going to hear that and be like, "Oh no, no, no! We want to get rid. Of, you know, we want secularism." I think you know religion and then family. You know, I think those things are kind of the bedrock. So, I think liberalism is great in terms of prioritizing the individual and having a individualistic outlook. But you want to. It's it's a tricky balance because you don't want like collectivism. Which is, you know, like obviously people have, you know, some people push political and whatever collectivism and I'm, I'm not for that. But from a societal natural perspective, you know, we are not atomized units. So as far as like laws and politics and stuff go, I think it's, yeah, treat people as individuals, judge people as individuals, rate people on their own merits and character and stuff like that, not on their skin color or their or their gender or their sexuality or anything like that. Like, no, that, that's that's. And any collective ideology in that sense is bad. But at the same time, you also want to foster shared value, shared values and community. So it's like, yeah, we're all individuals and you want to treat everybody as individuals, but you don't want to get so individualistic and atomized that people just become completely selfish and nobody cares about their neighbor or their family or their children or somebody, you know, it's uh, so it's kind of like, I don't know the right Nihilism I don't know the right word for it. Yeah, so it's like it's like a balance there, and I think that yeah, I just think the Western world has kind of become so um, it's just getting a bit lost, right? I think almost like as a perhaps as a result of its own success, mm. um, kind of people have gotten a little bit I don't know fat and lazy and silly in terms of understanding 
what it was that kind of led to that. So when you, for example, so talk, talking about like fatherlessness, fatherlessness specifically, right? You'll hear some people saying like, you know, you'll see articles come out in blogs or on newspapers, opinion pieces saying, hmm, are fathers really necessary? You know, some feminist will write a piece. Do we still really need men? You know, these, these kind of, these kind of people. And you, they forget how they got pregnant, I guess. Yeah, but you're also <laughs> just kind of thinking of like, you know, it's, it's almost like this thought of like, okay, look, we've built society up to this point. Things are currently peaceful right now. It's nice. Oh, we don't need men anymore, right? We don't need to. We don't need to defend. You know, we oh, we don't need we don't need police. We don't need soldiers. We don't need men to build things. We don't need builders. We don't need carpenters. It's like you're kind of just throwing away. It's it's like you almost want to throw away this whole thing. And it's like oh yeah, you know, it's fine to raise a you know oh, being a single mother is completely fine. You know, that's ideal. In fact, that might even be better than having a man around. And <laughs> it's just like you're losing it's like people are just losing track of what it was that kind of got people to the stage and also what is the best thing generally for a society well it's worked for so, so long it's a reason that it's traditional you know yeah and there's a there's a reason it takes a man and a woman to make a baby i don't think that's an whether someone believes in evolution or god or both like i don't think that's i don't think that's like an accident that it takes <laughs> both parents and males you know if you look at the strengths and weaknesses of men in general and take the strengths <laughs> and weaknesses of women yeah. in general right yeah. they compensate for each other mm-hmm. okay Definitely. so if you take if you take a man and you take, if you take a woman you take a husband and wife and you put them together father and mother they're you, better you, at different now, things you, yeah you, yin and yang right the the father's mm-hmm. job is not going to be exactly the same thing as the mother's no. job and again you've got this idea of oh boys should be more like girls or men should be more like women or women should be more like and it's like no stop like no, like stop. <laughs> I'm just like stop. Like this doesn't mean like you need to like enforce, you know, some yeah. like fascistic gender roles on people. You're just saying like look, like there's something that, you know, we've got different personality types and different strengths and weaknesses, so let the men be men, let the women be women, yeah, put them together, lo and behold, look, society balances out and well, things you know. things work. You don't need to force women into things that they don't want to be doing. Mm. You don't need to force men into things they they don't want to be doing. It's like let people, you know, make these decisions and do what they want. And also, yeah, and just remember what actually works and what's if you're talking about children, what's good for the child? Like what's what do you what's what's a better situation, a child having one parent or a child having, you know, either just a father or just a mother or having both. Mm-hmm. Right. Ninety five percent of the time. like, Of course, you get exceptions where, you know, sure. one parent is super crazy or abusive or whatever. But mm-hmm. in ninety five percent of cases, all other things being equal. It's better to have both economically, Absolutely. socially, in terms of raising, in terms of discipline. Like this is not, mm-hmm. this is not rocket science. I don't need to. Someone will go. Someone will be like, "Oh, what's your study for?" I'm like, "I don't need a study, right? The study is just like well, that's common the, sense." That's and, the same. That's the same <laughs> arrogant that if you don't have a uterus, you have no say on abortion. Like, I mean, well, is there course, men's so. issues that we're excluding women from? I don't think so. You know, like no. Well, by that notion, you know, women should have no say in war or anything that really Draft, involves conflict yeah. because they're generally not the ones on the front lines for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we live in a society like anyone can have an opinion on anything. Mm-hmm. In certain instances, you might have someone whose opinion might be more valid more because they've yeah. like, you know, experienced it or they yeah. live in a certain place or whatever. Mm-hmm. But with most issues, it's like, you know, it's not really it's not really like that. Um, moving on a little. So c- coming to the idea of like godlessness, um, that this is this is a tricky one. And it's something that I, you know, I, I know I'm I'm friends with plenty of people who don't believe in God. And we have some really interesting discussions. Yeah, me too. And 
my my thought is kind of I think atheism works for individuals. I think it can work well for individuals for an entire society or country. I I'm not convinced. Certainly not in, not in the long term. In the short term I think it could work. But I think in the long term I think two things happen. I think one is that again it's it's this idea of a tree losing its root because if it's if if it just becomes like okay human beings are god or the government is god or whatever and there's no higher power or higher authority then morality very rapidly can become totally subjective right you hear a lot of people these days talking about morality being subjective which is partially true i think but you mean it's like also, a uh, like a construct of society almost exactly yeah okay. so the idea that that you know there's no set morality okay right. so in my in my world killing an innocent person is wrong period mm-hmm. okay but if you live in a world of subjective morality mm, depending sometimes if killing he's an innocent, mass innocent murderer person might then be. maybe it's okay yeah well well no that's not that's not even that because that's not an innocent person there you see what i mean Perfect. right yeah. so oh, i okay. so you know the death penalty that that can be that can be discussed but i that's right. that's in a separate category okay. so an innocent an innocent person an innocent okay. child an innocent adult whatever to me in my worldview, in my morality that is just objectively wrong untouchable flat like yeah they more mm-hmm. like it's not yeah it's just it's just wrong okay um in my worldview, cheating on your husband or wife or spouse is morally unacceptable yeah yeah it's unacceptable right um but in a world of subjective morality especially if you're quite intelligent and intellectual you can kind of justify anything mm-hmm. you, you know what i mean so stuff that people view morally reprehensible so for i, I don't know like an easy example would be like okay cheating on a cheating someone cheating on their boyfriend girlfriend husband or wife like what if they didn't find out then what is what's why is why is it immoral Right. Someone could easily justify and say, well, it's moral because it didn't harm anybody, which is true. Didn't didn't nobody got physically harmed um, as long as the sex someone else had was, you know, was consensual. Nobody got harmed, um, didn't affect anybody's emotions because nobody finds out. So, you know, it becomes very easy to, you know, someone could do that and then be like, well, why is why is it wrong? Who is to say it's wrong? Who's the authority to say this thing is wrong? Um and then you have other ideas. I mean, you know, and then it, it can get murkier than that. So, like I said, you know, coming back to things like killing other human beings, um, you know, it can be it can, you can. Th- this is what happened in like Nazi Germany and some of the <sighs> communist regimes and stuff. Right. It became like, well, what if it's for the, the greater good in somebody's mind? So somebody could think, oh, OK. What if we, um, oh, you know, someone could think, oh, well, what if we just, you know, killed all the homeless people? Right. That would make that would make society better in some measures. Right. Someone someone could actually argue that, you know, and they could they could, you know, and they, and they could look at certain stats and do certain things. They could be, oh, look, there, there'd be no more homeless people. You know, the <sighs> the population would decrease. There'd be less pollution. There'd be low, lower. I mean, you, you see this. I mean, because you see people saying like, oh, it's good to, you know. Some people's argument for abortion is like, oh, it's good because the world is overpopulated oh. and people are <laughs> people are affecting climate planet. change. Yeah. So I'm like, right. I'm like, that's that's like Thanos, right? 
Have you seen Infinity War? That's literally like I Thanos' have, morality. Okay. Okay, well, he just wants to wipe out half of the universe's population because there's too much strain on resources. Okay. So the whole reason he's getting all the Infinity Stones is so that he can kill half of the entire universe's population so that there's less strain on resources. And I'm like, that's his morality, right? Which in his worldview, like, makes sense, like, from a completely mm-hmm. rational scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. But from a moral one, it's like, ooh, like... Right. So you just so I don't know. I, I think um, so with all that said, I think that the, the problem with, um, I guess, complete godlessness in, in a society is I think that over time, morality just slips. It's it slips into like because what are the fundamentals of what's it based on? Mm. Is it based on feelings? Is it based on, you know, and again, if you take that approach, most people who would take that approach will be you know, have also have the view that human beings are just essentially animals, right? You're just advanced animals. And we know that most animals don't really have proper morality, do they? Mm -hmm. Right. So human beings are not, we don't hold human beings to the same standard as we hold dogs or beetles or birds, right? Mm -hmm. Birds will do Crabs will birth crabs will birth their children and then immediately start eating their children if they're hungry, right? If a human being did that, we'd be like, you know, right? So hey, we haven't done that know, for yeah. <laughs> at least a hundred so, years. <laughs> yeah, so you know, human beings are held to a different standard, and um, you know, a religious person would say, yeah, human beings are created in the image of God, and so we're not just animals; we are like super special in that regard. But not everybody believes in that, so it's like, okay, well, if we're just animals, um, you know. I'm a I'm a straight I'm a I'm a straight young man. My animalistic urge might be to run around and impregnate impregnate as many viable females as possible to pass on my genetics. Mm. But like that could get, you know, that could get dodgy really quickly mm-hmm. if I just go full animal mode, you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, I I think uh so there's that there's that. And then on the second one, which is a little more um might sound a little more controversial, but I also just think that a godless society in the long term will be conquered by one that is not. That's also what I think, Um, because unless you're going to snap your fingers and get rid of all the religion in the entire world from seven and a half billion people at once, um, I think those who maintain that cohesion and that belief will in the long term, essentially overpower and or just outbreed those who don't. That's so you think just tota- like just- total- totalitarianism is sets in then in the absence of God. I'm just thinking while we're talking here, I mean, mm. humans have believed in some type of higher power, some God Something. for almost ever. It's not yeah, like, you I- know, Jesus and Mary are a new story. There were mm-hmm. other gods before them. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I, human beings believe want to believe in something. And I mean, mm. if you again, if you look in the, if you look back at the 20th century and you look at the totalitarian regimes, so like the Nazi regime, the communist regime in different countries, one of the first things they do is they root out religion. Right. And that's not that's not accidental mm. because human beings need to believe in something as a individual, maybe not always as individuals, but as a community, people want a higher purpose mm-hmm. right i have a theory that this links to the whole like sjw collective weird intersectional movements as well okay. because oh. i've noticed that people who are religious seem to be quite immune to that virus which wow. is interesting 
And so I don't know if that's something you've observed, right? You don't, you won't find a lot. I put it in a different context, almost like you look at the, the, the black population in the States are deeply, deeply religious and going back to, you know, what I said earlier, it's almost like when you're on your knees and you're fucking broken, like, I mean, I, I think that that might have something to do with the, the, the amount of faith because man, they had almost nothing else other than their belief in God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just think human, there's something in individuals, like people want to believe in something. It can be a religion, it can be an ideology, it can be a diet, right? Just well, like this is get, what so many people I find now are religious about veganism. Mm-hmm. They're religious about yep. abortion. They're religious about atheism. Like mm-hmm. that is their religion. They don't even get yep. that that's their ideology, but they live it as a religion. And, you know, I, I like Peterson's uh when he takes a swat at this, and he certainly doesn't come out like he knows it all, especially when it comes to God. But th- this idea that uh, um, your your ideology your ideology can be your religion, and oh, absolutely, you, know, you just adopt it. Absolutely, as such. I, I joke. I joke with people sometimes, like, I, especially especially online. Like I've spoken to some people who are like uh, like hardcore atheists, and I often joke with them. I'm like, dude, you're more religious than I am. Yeah. And you live right, by I, all the same standards you know, that we've had. You know, like. Yeah, like sometimes I'll be like, you're, you're more like when I talk about my belief in God, I'm like, maybe, you know, maybe not all or most religious people might be like this. I accept that I could be wrong. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. It, it's 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 faith. It's, it's the faith. other like, side that fights it tooth and nail when they have like they don't yeah, they're like, not any more sure than so, I am. Someone someone will want me to provide like a, a written mathematical <laughs> proof of how Formula. I know God exists. And I'm yeah. like, I believe mm, that God exists. Yeah. Right. I have faith that God exists. I, I will put my I'll be the first to put my hands up. I'll be like, you know what? I could be wrong. I could I could be wrong. Like, I don't. Right. I, I, if, someone, if someone wants to know why I believe in God, I can. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to explain that and have that conversation. Yeah. But I can't, honestly, as someone who's like and tries to be an honest person, I cannot be like I know 100% certain that everything I believe is correct. And, and judge I, everyone else whatever. accordingly because no. of your beliefs. No, no, right? no. I'm like this is my belief. Mm-hmm. Um, you're welcome to disagree with me. Other people are welcome to believe in different things. My belief is not going to lead me to harm anybody or discriminate against anybody or kill anybody i'm not gonna you know like if people start using religion for that reasons then that's certainly a problem mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I just find it weird sometimes when i get in conversations with people and they're like so overzealous like they're the ones who are talking with more certainty yeah than i am and i'm like i'm i'm just like which which is where where I start finding it funny, right? Or yeah, well, especially they start, when they or, condescend, when they're looking down their nose at you like you're yeah. a freaking idiot, like they know better yeah, than yeah. you do. And you want to have this conversation. I like uh, how Rube and, and maybe even Crowder, their 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 tactic in debate is backing up until we agree. Yeah, and then let's let's take it small steps forward to find out where our beliefs fork in the road, and then maybe we can have some understanding of why that that happens and and uh yeah i appreciate your thoughts on that uh not to you know put god at the bottom of the ladder here but uh i want to i want to move on to some especially the conversation like i i really i i feel like i know your heart I, I feel like i've watched and seen you perform enough that i can see that there's there's an underlying commitment you you're provocative don't get me mm-hmm. wrong provocative for the sake of this underlying commitment i'm not sure exactly what it is but talk to me a little bit about this 
um, the left and the right. Uh, you know, I, I came up with this, this, and this is like two years ago. Uh, I think it was a self-created lie that I, I created for myself was that the left and right was further apart than they'd ever been. Mm-hmm. They hate each other more than they ever have. And, and you can mm-hmm. put men and women in that same camp. And so I wanted to know, like, what's going on here? Why are we more politically divided? Why are we seem, seemingly at each other's throats? And then I think it, it took, you know, I did this deep dive with Peterson with the the, the big five personality types. I think that oh, yeah. speaks a lot to who we are. I know you've spoken about that on other programs. This idea that, you know, we're, we're all different, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we're born different. Like, we are, like, I didn't know this. That we're actually born liberal and conservative. Like, yeah, it's very linked there, to personality. There is a little bit that's obviously that is a, is a product of our environment and, mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff. Uh, but and then so I, I came to the maybe the understanding that maybe my idea of it was off. And like you said, we're not any more divided, especially if you go back to times of war, civil wars. We've had you know, wars in our own country that the left and right is actually not for maybe we're further apart, but we're not mm. deep. We're not more deeply divided than we've ever been again. And this, here's the proof, because the moderate middle that say nothing is 95, 97 percent of us. We're in the middle. We don't say anything. Yeah. I don't consider I might be in that group, but that. Mm. The extremes are the ones that have the loudest voice now, and they're actually convincing fairly intelligent guys like me in the middle that they're the majority, that they speak for society, when really, I mean, if if you go back and look at evolution, the fringe ideas that were radical and extreme, the people that came up with these ideas were killed and persecuted, then... Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, expectations change over time. Human sacrifice used to be something that was commonly accepted. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't do that anymore. We don't eat our own people. We don't, well, you know, this kind well, of stuff. We don't, we don't eat each other, but I don't, the human sacrifice one, I'd, I'd argue, is still, um, but that's a, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah, at least it's not common anymore. But, you know, I just came from this idea that we're, we're more divided. And then I thought to myself, you know what, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just that the extremes now with the social media the way it is to have this huge platform. Mm-hmm. And and now I think with, you know, Trump's done a lot of things, uh, good and bad for society. I, I like the fact that everyone's political now. Everyone's talking about <laughs> politics. So if nothing else, Trump did something. Well, to, Tr- to, Trump is in the Trump just landed in the UK right now. And the, uh, I'm yeah, just la- right. I was laughing about to meet the, the queen. <laughs> I was laughing about the fact that people are protesting and I just think it's I'm just like go be useful man like what's yeah. protesting Trump going to do for your life seriously Yeah so it's I just gonna... came to the conclusion that no we're not further divided no we're not at each other's throats so yeah, more than we ever been it's... it's just the extremes that have a louder voice now Both are true you know um I don't know about the Can- I don't know about Canada and the UK in America the Republicans and Democrats are more divided than they've been for about the past 50 years or so. And that's that's factual. That's factual. Um, so in terms of their actual position, Republicans haven't moved very much, but de- Democrats have moved a lot further left. Oh, for sure. Um, there's actually some interesting data on this. Mm, and not just that. Yeah, not just that, but the feelings. Uh, like if it was something like if you went back to like 1980, even like most Democrats – 
didn't dis they didn't actively dislike most Republicans and vice versa. Whereas now that's not true. Something like seventy percent, I'd think, of like Democrats act actively dislike Republicans, and a majority of Republicans actively dislike Democrats. Where it it didn't used to be like that. In terms of why it's the case, I mean, I think it's um, I think it's a few reasons. I do think some of it is some of the stuff that we touched on earlier about loss of common values. Right. And one of those common values, whether people like it or not or think it's better or not, one of those things is religion. Right. So that's one of those things. Like one one thing I love, you know, when I'm in my church, I mean, or any other church I go to if I'm visiting, it's like you've you've got like, you know, people talk a lot about diversity, diversity, yeah. diversity. It's like you've you got genuine diversity in there. You've, you'll see people of all different colors, shapes, sizes. And that's a strength when you have a common and, belief. Yeah, exactly. But that that, you know, the belief unites everybody. Right. And actually, it's I mean, it's a tricky one, because I think here's one thing about human beings that I've really come to understand in the last few years is that human beings are naturally naturally lean towards tribalism. I was going to ask you that. Do you think that hate comes really naturally? Like, I mean, I I feel like we're all taught to fear the stranger. Different color, different sexual orientation. We're just you look at it and like, no, I'm not going to. When I say tribalism, I don't I don't mean hate. I just mean that people are naturally tribal. So this could be I mean, you see it in sport. Sports are a great example, right? Because sports taps completely into people's natural tribalism. Mm. And you see you see how that tribalism plays out in sport. And I think sport is good because it's like it's a, it's a way to vent that tribalism without actually hurting or fighting each other. It's right. almost like a mini war, isn't it? Right. If you watch American yeah. football on the or you field, watch, like, play. Yeah. yeah or you and watch sometimes even in the stands. Yeah. Yeah, and what's interesting is the things that make you good at sport are the things that would have made you like a very good hunter, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's accurate, accurate throwing and dexterity, hitting yeah. and fighting That's and right. dexterity and agility and speed and endurance. It's basically like these are the people who would have been like apex hunters yeah. back in the day. So it's almost like society still kind of worships those people. It's just that rather than hunting, they might be really good at kicking a ball or throwing right. a ball or shooting it into a hoop. And, you know, they're they're big, they're tall. You know, these are – you know, these are people who would have been like the hunters and the warriors in the past. And so in that way, it's like we haven't really evolved much, if you see what I mean. Mm. And I don't think tribalism is inherently bad. Um, I think it's just that what's important is how wide, how big the tent is. Right. Right. I think you want to you want to make the tent as big as possible and inclusive as, as possible. Yes. And as inclusive as possible, because if you don't, what seems to naturally happen is pe- people fall back. Into this stuff, right? It's like you know this whole identity politics stuff. It's like people, and and that's why I think you see it on both sides. So if you go on the far right side of the spectrum, and you've got people who are like pushing for like ethno nationalism or separatism, or you know, like what's it, what's what I found really interesting over the last few years is the far right and the far left, like the true far right and far left. They're they're I think they're a lot more similar than they'd like to believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they both see the world through a very racial lens they like they see everything as groups rather than as individuals mm-hmm. so they see so if you whether you're looking at the far right or the far left they're going to be you're going to hear stuff about white people and Jews and black people and people of color and this and that and it's like they use the same words and they're kind of coming at it from slightly different angles but they're still doing the same thing they're looking at this conversation and they're like this is a white man talking to a black man right 
I look at this conversation. And I'm like, this dude, two dudes talking to each other. You see what I mean? Like, I can, I can. Well, you, you, you're assuming my uh, sexual identity, Zuby. I am. Not yeah, very we're nice. all doing that. Sorry, part of my bigotry. Um, yeah, but you know, like, of course, like, you know, it doesn't mean other people are not aware of like what people look like. You sure? But it's not the, it's not the thing that you view the whole world through, right? You're not viewing the entire world through like these are my people and these are other people or the, you know and that's but what both people on the very far left and the people on the very far right do and it's not it's kind of two sides of the same coin and i think both ideologies are destructive and do and have led to really really bad results when people have actually tried to enforce these policies from top down whether you're talking about slavery and jim crow or you're talking about nazi germany or you're talking about the soviet union and some of the stuff they did there like any time or even in um or even like in africa like the rwandan genocide right that was you know and that was people who looked the same right. like that was people who looked the same but again they they fell into their tribal thing of like okay where the, the Oh, what was it? It was the Tutsis and Sunni, the other. Sunnis and uh, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see the same thing in some of the is, is some no, of the Islamic countries, though, right? and that that's within the same religion, right? So, oh, same the vast majority, yeah. vast majority of Islamic terrorism is Muslim on Muslim, right? But it's mm. Sunni versus Shia. Right. Or in in Northern Ireland, you had the whole Catholic and Protestant. Right. You had you know bombing each other and all, and so, and that to me that that's like negative tribalism. That's just like, you know, you're you're both Christian. You're all Christians. But you're saying, okay, we're Roman Catholics and we're Protestants, so we're going to now fight across those lines. Whereas, actually, if you made the banner a little, if you went up one notch, yeah, you'd see you're all, all Christians. Yeah. If you go up a higher notch, you'll see you're all Irish. If you yeah. go up a higher notch, you'll see you're all human yeah, beings, yeah, right? Yeah. right? You see? So it's like you can you can go further. And then, um, I mean, this is interesting. One of the guys I spoke to on my podcast, uh, Bobby, because um, he he uh, he spent some time in prison. And one thing he was telling me about is just uh, – and you see this in movies, but how racially divided prison is, right? So when people go to prison, they fall back into these like ethnic gangs. So you've got the black gangs. You've got the white gangs. You've got the uh, Latino gangs. And people just fall back into this completely racial tribal mode of being, mm. which they weren't really in on the outside. And, Even you know, though they're even... unified with a with – a... You know, a common cause. They're all incarcerated. It's not much of a cause, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So too. it's it's weird. So I think that kind of recognizing the fact that this is a phenomenon that clearly seems to exist across the billions of human beings, mm -hmm. and always seems to have. Like you look at history, people have kind of been doing this forever. The groups, the groups that they split themselves by change, but it's been happening forever. And I think we mm -hmm. we reached like a really nice stage where, certainly in the Western world, it's like I think people, you know, from I want to say kind of from like the maybe from like the mid to late 80s up until like the early 2010s it's like things things hit a nice balance i think you know things hit a nice balance like you weren't really hearing it was like you know everyone it seemed like 90 98% of people recognized like okay let's you know we're all human beings like we've got some differences but let's just get on with each other and one thing i don't one the reason i really the main, biggest reason i really dislike identity politics and the current wave of, you know, people talking about privilege and oppressors and white, white 
white guilt and white fragility and white man this and straight white men this and just you know this whole demonization intersectionality like, okay cool yeah, yeah it's, you know, okay cool like every we've, we've been racist to everybody else let's be racist towards white people now and it's acceptable because it's you our can't turn. be racist <laughs> you you can't you can't be racist against white people people say right yeah. and i'm just like dude like you're doing the exact same thing that you've been moaning about for ever right you're just you've just inverted it that's how so i feel just, about the, the guys that hate trump so badly right now I, i'm like you don't even <laughs> see that you are being trump right now you idiot yeah, that's what that's what i saw i saw that um the london mayor sadiq khan had put out some uh article in the guardian about and i, I was just like dude you're he was di- he was complaining about divisiveness whilst being divisive this is what always happens like the media will be like Oh, you know, there's too much division in the USA. Blah, we're tired of division. Um, but what we really need to do is, like, you know, recognize that white men are the biggest threat to the country. And you're like, <laughs> sounds like you're CNN. Like, no. You're like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> listen to yourself. Thanks, Don How, Lemon. Huh? <laughs> you're like, Idiot. That's like a legitimate sentence out of someone's mouth, and you're just like. Dude, like, how do you? What makes you think? How that, are you still employed? That's yeah, you're just, but you're just like the hypocrisy just amazes me. I'm yeah, just like, and look, they can't even see it. It's just like, completely I'm, I'm really, yeah. I mean, my worldview is very simple. I'm just like, love like, is the answer, baby. Dude, love. dude, I, I'm just like, I'm like a true equalist. Like, like true, like tr- to the to the core. I'm like when people say like treat people as individuals, I like mean, I like really mean that, not. Like people say it as a platitude, but it's like, no, like, but so few people, like a lot of people aren't really doing it. Right. You'll, you'll get people talking about, oh, you know, we need to treat people with equality and uh, dignity and, you know, we want to embrace diversity and embrace, you know, this and that. And then those, that exact same person will then jump on Twitter and start, you know, attacking somebody for their skin color Mm. or for the fact that they're a man or for the fact that they're straight or the fact that they're gay. And you're just like, dude, like practice what you preach. Well, like, it's I thought, okay oh, because they're privileged and we need to, we need to yes. chop these people down with all this privilege, <laughs> man. This, that, that's the thing. I'm just like, and, and the, and the, and the, the things that people classify as making people privileged are so arbitrary and random too. Right. So, right. So as someone like myself, may, maybe I feel passionately about this because like, I'm actually privileged. You in a consider lot of ways. yourself to be pretty privileged. Yeah, like I'm genuinely pretty privileged, right? So when I hear this idea of like, you know, if I'm with a group of other black people who have like a similar background to me or whatever, and I hear one of them like say something about you know white privilege, and I'm like, dude, like we in this room are more privileged than like 98 percent of you know mm. the white people in this country, right? Like almost everyone know, alive today is well, yeah, and yeah, let let, let, let technology alone technology and go, food go, and all that. If you go further than our own countries, mm-hmm. like I've never, I've never heard anybody who is not privileged talk about privilege in this way. Mm-hmm. Never, mm-hmm. I've never heard anybody who is not privileged make a big deal about somebody else's privilege. Right. All the people who espouse these ideas and who go along with this crazy, weird intersectional religion, are all doing of them it are privileged. On their iPhone. All of them are privileged. <laughs> Down with capitalism from your thousand dollar phone. All of them are privileged. It's amazing. Right. If you go to if you go to parts of Africa, if you go to parts of Asia, if you go to South, no they one is there like talking is. about privilege or right. if they are, they're specifically, you know, talking about someone who's like in the royal family or in the government or some something like that where they have some kind of nepotism. So, like, I'm just like, look, all these ideas just need to get buried. Like, I'm sick of them. Like, I, they're 
there's nothing not, – I don't think anything positive comes of them. Like I literally just think it's a pure destructive force. It's not like it's like, oh, OK, well, it's good for this and that. I'm just like, no, the whole thing is crap. Like mm. it's just a bad – Good for it's you. It's a bad idea. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like there's – tell, tell me what is good about intersectional identity politics. Like how is it good? Mm-hmm. What's, what's good about it? What's it bringing to society? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Literally nothing. Um, you could have said that there was a time, you know, when that there were laws on the books that specifically Absolutely, yeah. discriminated against certain people, then it made more sense to be like, okay, well, this there's a law that specifically discriminates against black people or against yeah, women. Yeah, that's almost like if you come out today and say there's, you know, racism, we don't, uh, you take the states for example. The United States is not a racist country. Like, yes, racist happens historically it did happen but right now we're living in the best of times and to say that our our country our province or uh, the globe is is inherently racist right now i just say well show me how obviously it happens but that's the thing if you come out now and say you know what we don't live in a massage you know we don't live in a rape culture what do you mean Mm -hmm. then the leftists come out and they're like are you kidding me rape happens all the time and well yeah, yeah we get it but we deal with it significantly it's treated Here, here's, seriously. Here's the problem. Here's something. Here's here's a thought I had recently. I think that I'd be interested. In, this is some, I might I might tweet this out later to, to if I can phrase it properly. But I'm going to scoop you. I won't get uh, half as much <laughs> traction though. <laughs> I think the I think a big problem. This is my, this is like a new this is like a new thought. I've never okay. heard someone I've never heard someone articulate this. Okay. I think that as societies and laws genuinely become more equal inclusive and tolerant the necessity for left-wing politics decreases both socially and politically do you see what i mean so you think it's a work-making uh excursion for those on the left because they feel like you know we're getting better well, well they like if say if you're a left wing say if you're like a left wing politician or you're someone who's into this identity like you need you need there to be an oppressor and a victim for your whole thing to even work right do you see what and I mean fear right huh and fear yeah well if if racism if okay if you if you literally completely somehow removed all racism and sexism from society overnight mm-hmm. what would these people do right you see what I mean That's they're they're point. the whole the whole thing is based on racism, sexism, homophobia, and other types of bigotry existing so that you can stamp them out. And there's certainly been times, and there still are, there still are many, many countries around the world mm-hmm. where that is still needed. Yes, absolutely. But in the Western world, it's getting harder and harder to genuinely say that we live in like a really discriminatory, racist, homophobic, and, sexist, and whatever. And then we're moved for, to... Jesse Small at someone, you know, like it's, just, it's we live in such a great time that we have to fake yeah, race have to fake baiting. Like, yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to. You have to pretend stuff, right? People are making up fake rape cases, fake hate crime cases, mm. fake, you know, because it's like it needs to. And 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 people almost uh, like one of the funniest things with that whole Jesse Smollett thing was how disappointed people were when they found <laughs> out it wasn't real. I was like, shouldn't you be happy? Shouldn't you be glad? It's the same with that Trump when they found out there was no collusion. They're like, oh, they're just yeah, gotta it's be like, so. It's like, 
So Isn't it a good happy. thing? Yeah. <laughs> like the guy's a dick. He did some crazy things. I would, you know, morally and all that kind of stuff. But when you find out there's no, you know, proof, there's no uh, circumstantial evidence that the leader of the great, you know, one of the free, freest countries in the world actually didn't do something wrong, and somehow that's a bad thing. And yeah. the media was clad. It was so predictable. You could have, you could have predicted that. No problem. You say, okay. When this happens, they're going to come out and say, yeah, but, you know, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it, it was really bizarre. Like, people were literally disappointed that, like, this well, horrible I, racist it, attack didn't It was most noticeable take... on the media because here the, yeah. you would think these people are unbiased and objective. Oh, you and wish. Totally <laughs> not, man. And I've been drawn to that, and I think that's another plus for me and Trump. And I am not a Trump. So, you know what? I will say this, though. Last time around, if I had a vote in the States, I would have voted, and Bernie was around, he, Bernie would have been my guy. I'm still a lefty the, on social issues and, and yeah, everything. Sure. But now we've got Ford in Ontario. Ford's a conservative, and he's undoing the last 8 or 10 years or 12 years of liberal rule that we had that, that was just ideologically possessed. And really? now I'm not a conservative. I'm a Green Party guy. That's as left as you can get. And I've come around mm. on some of my issues, free speech, abortion, capital punishment. I've changed only just recently. So they're kind of like, and I'm not cemented in those views because I don't really yeah. know exactly where you draw the line, you know. But I am just so amped to see yeah. the pendulum, the political pendulum swing back to take out all that was done on the left. And I don't mm. agree with it. He's cutting social programs. He's making class sizes bigger. He's, you know, they're, oh, they're putting beer in corner stores. Like, that should be a priority. But I'm just so <laughs> excited to see Trump, and I think it's happening more and more all, all over the world, conservative oh, yeah. governments in, in coming Europe. in to undo all the leftists. I've, I've, my, one of my favorite hashtags, left. Leftist madness. It's madness <laughs> that these people can think that. So I'm cheering them on, even though I'm not a fan and not a voter. But this That's time funny. around, I'd vote Trump. I seriously yeah. would vote uh, Trump. But, so you know, would I. I. I said that on Twitter and it blew oh, up. That's, I'm not going to put that. I'm going to edit that out of this <laughs> podcast. I don't want anyone to know that. But uh, and dude, it's not I, ideologically. I don't, I don't it's not ideologically placed. It's not, uh, it's not based in personality. It's just based on, you know what? The left has had their run for a long time, and they've done whatever the hell they wanted. And I just I take great pleasure in watching it being undone. That's all. I mean, I, mean, I think the, tr the truth is you always want to be somewhere in the middle. I think as, as, a, as an entire nation, right? Like people can, people will individually have their different views Ashley and stuff. Ashley St. Clair called me a moderate. I finally know what my <laughs> label is now. I'm like, you bitch. I didn't call her that, but like you moderate. I, I like, I, I told her, I don't know what I am. She said, you're a moderate. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> oh man. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I think like if society starts going too far, right? then I will happily vote to bring it a little bit more left. Right, like yeah. my thing is always just like you want it somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere in the center, whether that's center center or center left or center, center right. Center. Honestly, like as far as I'm concerned and as far as it affects my life, I'm like, you know, whatever. I mean, I think one big problem is, I mean, I think it's good. Like you touched on earlier, like people are very political now, which is good in a way. But also I think that, like my viewpoint, the reason I've become more libertarian over, over time as well is because I just think like uh, the government is not going to solve all the problems. No. The, the, and the more laws aren't going to prevent murder or mass you know, shootings the, or whatever. I mean, laws just don't fix that kind of stuff. It's yeah, always going to be there. You can't legislate yeah. out madness. 
the, yeah, the, go- the government has a job and it can do it well, but it's up to us as individuals and as families. That's why family is important and as families and communities and societies and towns and villages like from all those different scales to do our best, you know, to maximize our own. That's why I really like Jordan Peterson's overall message. You know, some people criticize him for not trying to mandate some government things and starting with the individual. But it's like that's what that's been my philosophy for a long time like and look. i think why he's so sorry to interrupt but i think that's why yeah. he's like people are thirsty for his message now and i think it's because we really have made it acceptable to just have no personal responsibility i'm late because of the traffic I, i'm broke because my boss is an idiot like i mean just the lack of personal responsibility and i think that's why it's been picked up by young men Mostly, oh, well, not mostly, but you know, they always say, you know, YouTube's almost all like my YouTube yeah, yeah. channel. I have absolutely no female participation <laughs> yeah, so, so, on it. No, like, none. Mine is like and this idea that, you know, what it's always somebody else's fault. This is lacking in society. And I think, you know, he's been a blessing. Is he perfect? No. Does he, is he provocative? Yes. You know, and he, <laughs> you know, some of his tweets were like, oh, geez. You can just see him. <laughs> you know, he's, he's on his computer. He's had, had a couple pops. And he's like, I know what I'm going to do. And it, it, it fucking blows up. It's so predictable. But he, yeah, he's uh, people are thirsty for it, and no wonder he's so he's so popular. But you know, it's I think a lot of uh, his detractors are jealous. They're just envious. Oh, they look at this guy and go, "How is this guy making two hundred thousand dollars a year in Patreon? Just monetary, voluntary yeah. donations. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 man." Zoey, I really appreciate your time. I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to I do want to hit you with a couple more things. Um, Give me your idea on what you think we need to talk about, either conversations we're not having that are important or conversations mm-hmm. that we're having very badly that need to take place in a, in a more positive form where we can hear each other. Like, yeah, you know, sure. the civilization rests on these type of conversations. Yeah, sure. Um, most things. I, this is the one. Um, I don't know if you saw the interview I did with Trigonometry. My answer to this one was abortion. Um, I think that that's something that is Fortunately, what's interesting is since I did that video, of course, there's been a lot of conversation generated from some of the laws being uh, proposed, proposed in yeah. the U.S. in different states. So that actually, funnily enough, like a couple weeks after I did that interview, it suddenly became this huge public conversation, which I think is good, actually. It's been inching slow, uh, slowly towards the, the public sphere a lot lately since Trump yeah. was elected, I think, because people yeah. were worried about it. Yeah, in the UK, in the UK, it's not. It's not a public conversation in the UK. You know yet, what they're trying to do does. in Canada now? Our Liberal government, our left-wing, you know, Trudeau. I know mm-hmm. you're familiar with. This is what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. They're trying to make abortion in Canada has no law on abortion. I can't. It has no limit. No, no law at all. There's no regulation yeah. or law on it at all. And this yeah. is what the left-wing government is trying to do as an election issue: is bring it in, you know, because that's politically motivated. So, just an aside, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's one conversation. The debate that's be the conversation that's being had, from what I can see online, is it's uh, people are talking like that. Yeah, past each other. Yeah, and it's and people are being extremely dishonest, like stupidly dishonest, and just and the extreme arguments on both sides are as ridiculous as each other's is. It's just absolutely hypocrisy. Yeah, completely ascientific, and it's just um, so. I think that's something that's 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 one of the few issues that I'm quite. Yeah, well, not quite. I'm, I'm very, I have extremely strong. I have very, very strong views on. Um, no, is this something I'm, you changed? Were you I did choice? change. Yes, yeah. I used to be. I used to not think about it. Mm-hmm. 
I went from not thinking about it, which I guess made me pro-choice by default, right? just because that's the law. And then when I really thought about it, um, it didn't take very long for me to become like pretty hardline pro-life. Um, just because, again, I listened to both sides of the arguments and I couldn't myself maintain my position very well in mm-hmm. any way that was real either like that was both moral and rational mm-hmm. and if i hold a position which i cannot morally nor rationally defend then i need to change my position mm, i gotcha. just think the pro the, the pro-life position is a lot better to put it simply um a lot more ethical a lot more moral a lot more consistent less you know? hypocr- uh, hypocritical yeah yeah it's not hypocritical you know um because there are so many holes in i mean i've come across like two good pro-choice arguments like ever um that actually were like you know made me like probably like think and mull things like 80 like 90 percent of the ones you see thrown around online are just terrible they're just mantras and slogans or they're just completely completely ascientific that there's just you just say oh it's it's not a baby it's a clump of cells and someone's talking about like a six month old you're just like dude like have you ever seen a scan have you ever seen I don't know if you have any children or nieces or nephews or you've seen, you know, it's like, come on, man, this is a human being. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just deny that based on feelings like it's silly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's one conversation. And then uh, something like less heavy, but um, just I think that a lot of these conversations, I just think um, people need to understand the other side better like one i was hoping that with trump getting elected and brexit happening in the uk and the rise of nationalism in the europe i thought i would have hoped that people especially people are you know more left-leaning people would try to understand what's actually going on rather than just like pointing at people and screaming racism xenophobia hatred cruel like just screaming stuff right and this is what's happening right now trump has just landed in the uk today and people are just screaming stupid terms and tweeting stupid stuff like you know the mayor of london like i'm like look mayor like Sadiq khan's not going to hear this podcast like why doesn't the mayor of london if he's got all this beef with trump why doesn't like I can't meet with Trump. I can't organize a like he's the mayor of London. Organize a meeting, like meet him, talk. Do you see what like it annoys me? He's like it's like he'll go on Twitter and say like oh blah blah. He'll say bad stuff about him on Twitter and he'll write he'll hide he'll go on TV and say and why he does face to say, face him, say it's like dude man up yeah, like go yeah, and yeah. talk to him if you've got do you, like why don't you guys talk if you've got like if there's a particular issue which you think he's that wrong on. Mm-hmm. Or that he's, you know, misrepresenting. Like, just talk. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. Um, it's 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 so obvious to me, right? It's so obvious to me. And and this goes across all the things. Like, if you're a if you're a Republican and you think like Democrats are just insane, like go talk to them. Mm. If you're a Democrat and you think all the Trump voters are insane, like talk to them. Find out why. Oh, why did you vote Trump? Rather think- than going, oh, you. Rather than going, oh, everyone who voted Trump is racist. Mm-hmm. which is a pretty damning and divisive thing to say. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go, hmm, that's not what I expected. Let me, let me, oh, you know what? Like 10 of my friends who like I like and who I know are good people voted for Trump. Why don't I talk to them and find out why rather than just going, oh no, they voted for Trump. So they're no longer my friends and like Xing people out and doing all this canceling bull crap. It's like, why don't you talk to people? Yep. That's the thing. It's like, you know what I mean? Like 
in the UK, I mean, it's it's not quite as polarized, but of course you've got the big thing is Brexit with the Remain and Leave, and you've got people who voted Remain who were then like, oh, everybody everybody who voted Leave is just racist and they hate immigrants and all this, and you're just like, dude, there are completely valid reasons why people would vote Remain, and there's completely valid reasons why people would vote Leave, which have nothing to do with being racist or hating immigrants. And I mean, if you think that the country is that bad, then I kind of feel sorry for you to begin with, but why don't you just talk to each other and then you can have the debate and you can share ideas and that person who voted leave might think oh you know i guess that's a you've got a fair point there and you might do the same thing and at least you'll even if you just don't agree you've had the discussion and you you'll go away more informed you'll have a better understanding of the other position i mean i'd like to think on any big issue down to the fundamental things like believing in God, like I think I could argue from an atheist perspective very, very yeah, well. Sure. Like I, I could pretend to be an atheist. Yeah, you could still man complete, the argument. Yeah. I could like completely convince somebody that I'm an atheist because yeah. <laughs> I know I understand the perspective. And I, I get the perspective. Like I think it I think it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. I think right, I it's it's not even that I think it's like a complete it's like no, I, I get it. Like yeah. I can understand why you would not believe in God, mm-hmm. just as much as I can understand why I and other people believe do believe it. in yeah. God. It's mm-hmm. not like, okay, this one makes sense and the other one's completely bonkers. It's like, no, I, I get both positions. I understand the pro-choice position. I don't agree with it, but I can under, I understand it. I just think that it's generally based on not looking at the full picture. I think the, pro, the pro-choice argument hinges very largely on ignoring what is being done to the fetus or baby and just completely focusing on framing it as a women's rights issue rather than a human's rights issue mm. and i think that's kind of like very selective framing whereas i think the pro-life position is looking at the whole picture and like okay what's actually going on when an abortion happens and let's not let's not ignore that there is a life or at least a depending on the stage a, a potential life human life that is being taken here mm-hmm. which is the which is the honest honest position and like yes there is of course women are the ones who get pregnant women it's women who carry so yes there is there is that perspective but there's also another one so when people are just my body my choice my body my choice no uterus no opinion you're like what about the baby mm-hmm. right it's, it's not a baby it's a clump of cells and you're like well no that's not true and it's yeah. just such a hard it's such a hard-headed annoying position because it's like okay can we have an honest conversation here mm-hmm. you see what i mean yeah. um so yeah that's a uh, that was a long-winded answer. Zuby uh, music. <laughs> I appreciate your, your, your time, brother. And I, I'm going to keep you just for a few minutes longer. And then, uh, uh, again, thank you so much for your time. So what would you say that your underlying commitment is? Uh, again, uh, you know, I acknowledged you're a little provo- provocative. Um, and then we can talk about your tweet in the gym the other day. Um, because I think your underlying commitment is much different than how it comes off. You know, you, it's, it comes off as clickbait, right? So... <laughs> oh, I don't. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't do clickbait. Never. Um, I provoke. I don't do clickbait. Okay. You, no, click, click, clickbait is deceiving people. Oh, okay. I, I got you. All right. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, thanks for the clickbait. Clickbait would be like putting up this interview and saying like, "All oh, right." YouTube oh, okay. title putting Zuby gets naked, and then they put the <laughs> video and Zuby doesn't get naked. Right. That would be that would be clickbait. Okay. Um, gotcha. If you just put like a provocative title that's true, then that's all right. Clickbait. All right. Thanks for that. Yeah. That's all good. Um, what was uh, oh? What's Underline my goal? Commitment. To have a positive impact on over ten million people. That's everything that you do. All it underlies when you're working out in the gym, when you're 
practicing your faith, when you're loving your girlfriend, whatever. Yeah, my 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 lifetime goal making a difference to positive. have a positive impact. Yeah, not just a difference, a, a large scale, large scale difference. I want to do that through my music, through my voice, my speaking, my conversations, through my knowledge, anything that I, any gifts I have that I can provide to the world and maximize. I want to do that. Okay. So um, online, offline, public speaking, touring, coaching, online video, podcasts, interviews. I want it all to be things that, you know, I hope people will listen to this and cool. That's another X number of people who I've had a positive impact on. And that could be in different ways. That could be making them think a little differently. That could be saying something motivational that helps them in their lives somehow. That could be just hearing my story and thinking, oh, that guy's done something. I can I can do the same. So that's really what my North Star is. Awesome. Well, I want I want your body, but I don't want to work for it. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to pay for it in any particular way. I don't want to have to wake up early. I don't want to have to go to the gym every day. But dude, you got something rolling there. Speaking of which, tell me about the deadlift, man. Where, where did that come from, and how was that motivated, and how has that changed your life, if any? Dude, um, it certainly changed my life, man. Yeah, um, it's brought me to the awareness of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, more people. Um, First of all, just for so, people that don't know what happened, tell us, tell us what you okay. did. Okay, so on the, I think it was the tw 26th of February, I tweeted a short video of me doing a 230 kg deadlift in the gym, um, which is well below my maximum, I want to add. Um, <laughs> 15 kilos above the British women's deadlift record in my weight class. Um, so I posted this tweet, and I said in the tweet that um, I keep hearing about how biological men don't have any strength advantage over women in 2019. So watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying. And then I wrote, P.S. I identified as a woman while lifting the weight, so don't be a bigot. And it went super viral. The video has now got well over one and a half million views on the original tweet. Um, it was covered by like most, new, most news organizations covered it. Um, apart from the ones who have an ideological slant against someone uh, exposing that, so which, which was which is also interesting, those who chose to cover it and those who didn't, um, and yeah, it blew up. I gained at the time I tweeted it, I had nineteen thousand followers. I've now got sixty three thousand. Um, I wish about twenty about twenty thousand came in the within the next like sort of twenty days of it. Um, and it's just raised my profile very, very significantly. What's been great is so many people have discovered my music and my podcast and my writing and other works through that thing. Yeah, that, that was kind of the gateway. <laughs> um, I think the timing was good because it wasn't like I was just some random person who posted this thing and so people saw it and then disappeared really quickly. People saw it and then were like, oh, this guy's actually interesting. Oh, cool. He's, oh, he's a good rapper. Oh, he does podcasts. Oh, he's at, his Twitter feed is really interesting. So people kind of came for the deadlift and then stayed for the conversation and for the music and for everything else. So it's been a uh, yeah, it's it's been really valuable in terms of raising my profile and my followers and putting me on the radar of a lot of big people like, you know, Joe Rogan now follows me on Twitter. I mean, most of the most of the so-called intellectual dark web follows me on Twitter um with a handful of exceptions. Um so that's been really positive. I'm looking to get out to the States hopefully in September. Nice. And some stuff in the US. And uh, yeah, it's all uh, – it's it's been a weird thing for that to be one of the catalysts, one of the biggest catalysts for my 
career considering how hard I've been plugging away for the past 12 years. Yeah, and that's um, kind of like a bonus of your your hard work. So how does that how do you resolve that with your underlying commitment of making a positive difference for everyone? That's a good one. Um well, a bigger platform and a bigger audience all feeds into that. So right. when people are like, "Oh, why do you want to raise your profile or why do you want to be it's like because then I've got more influence and more impact." If I've got 100,000 followers, I've got even more impact. If I've got a million followers, I've got even more impact. And so I want to do good in the world. You know what I mean? Uh, that's been my goal since I started making music. If you, Literally, I think the first rap I ever wrote, which I don't have access to now, but it was basically about how I want to have a positive impact on the world and how I'm not just doing what I do for my own selfish reasons. Um, I mean, one of the one of the main reasons I became an artist and I went into it full time was, you know, it certainly wasn't for financial gain because I was making a lot more money doing the corporate stuff. But um, it's because I know I knew I couldn't have a huge impact on that previous trajectory mm-hmm. on the trajectory I'm on now. I have the potential to make to impact this many people, mm-hmm. um, whereas before it's like, OK, cool, I'll be and I'll enrich myself and maybe help a couple people here and there. But I wouldn't have just had the platform and the voice and the and the public profile to make a big change. And I think that there are a lot of people who have a really big public profile or who are super famous or super wealthy or whatever. And they're not, I guess everyone thinks they're using that platform for good, but I think a lot of people aren't really using their platform in the way that it could be used. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, some people are, and some in ways I agree with some in ways I disagree with, I guess they think they're doing good regardless. But, um, that's why I th- that's why I think it's important, and that, like I said, that's why I'm so outspoken. Because it's like, well, you're gonna have somebody on Twitter who's got a million followers who are telling you like that. I don't know, um, men are bad, yep. <laughs> right? Men are bad, especially white men. Someone with <laughs> one million followers will tweet that. So you need somebody else with a million followers to be like, nah, this is bullcrap, and here's why. The and then of- you can then you can let the balance of then you can let the battle of ideas take place, mm-hmm. and I can tell you which of those ideas is stronger. So, you know, I think it's uh, it's important to have people of, you know, straight, straight thinkers, straight talkers, real talkers. And there's there seems to be a very healthy appetite for that. I think that my Twitter growth and my growth on other platforms, I had so many messages and comments, whether even from people who disagree with me, who are just like, dude, like your authenticity is refreshing. Like, I don't mm-hmm. agree with you on everything, but I love the fact that you just you, know, you don't back down. You just say and what I you think is true. I will second that, and your integrity is important to a guy like me who's when he's running 10 minutes late, says, hey, bro, I'm running 10 minutes late. It's <laughs> yeah, so course, simple to not leave a guy waiting. And, you know, I can't tell you how many people roll up and are like, I'm late for everything. Well, not with me, you're not, because it, that's, there's no integrity in that. So yeah, when well. you shot me that message just before the interview was supposed to start, and like, man, I'm running a few minutes late, I'm like, Thanks. I appreciate that. Integrity. Period. I was you know I, mean? I was raised well, man. I was yeah. honestly. Honestly, I got my parents are freaking amazing. Mm. My parents are phenomenal. Yeah. Um I I I big up my parents like they are they've done a phenomenal job. Like as I the, the older I get, the more I respect them. I agree like, and I appreciate them well uh, as well <laughs> and there's more people like me that are coming along. Brother, we didn't even talk about the book. What's the book about and how can people get it? Absolutely. So um, the book is called Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. So mm. it's an ebook. It's very concise, but very thorough. It teaches you everything you need to know about how you need to eat and how you need to train, whether your goal is to build muscle, burn fat, um, get in better shape, improve your physique, 
all those things. If whether you're a beginner or you've been training for a while, it's um, yeah. It's I just wanted to write a no nonsense guide to basically distill the most important stuff I've learned over the past 16 years. Much of it through reading and learning. Much of it through trial and error of what works, what doesn't work, what matters, what doesn't matter. So that if you wanted to go in the gym and you're like, okay, cool, I want to get stronger and lose 20 pounds, this is how you do it. This is exactly how many calories you need to eat, how to calculate it for your own body. This is, uh, these are the most effective exercises that you can do that will give you the best time for your buck, sorry, best bang for your buck in terms of time trade-off in the gym. And uh, this is, yeah, and then dispelling a lot of rumors about, you know, people worry about, Oh, it's 8 p.m. Can I eat carbohydrates? Oh, it's can I? Is it okay to eat fruit? Oh, can I do this? Can I, it's like, look, it just dispels all the rumors and cool. puts it down real, real plain. If you like the way I tweet, you'll love the book because it's written in the same way I tweet. That's very frank and honest and no BS. If you want to check it out, um, the link is in my Twitter bio. My Twitter is at Zuby Music. You can also get the book directly at TeamZuby.com. T E A M Z U B Y. Now, dude, you're an outlier. You don't smoke. Smoke. You don't drink. <laughs> your your rap is all positive. You don't have any yeah. tats. I mean, dude, this, you're breaking the mold, and you're successful. Even better, uh, trying to make a positive difference with, with your rap. Uh, something I I really appreciate, brother. So you come off as a guy that's got his shit together, that's um, very disciplined. If if I could just say how you occur for me, a guy that you know is talking to you for the first time. Um, even though we're looking through a screen here, I feel like when you look at me, you're actually looking at my eyes. You care enough <laughs> to make eye contact. Uh, so if anything, uh, I, I want to know, one, how do you stay accountable? And who do you, do you have coaches that you stay accountable to? And what do you struggle with? Like, what is your, like, I mean, I, I look at a guy like you and I'm like, oh, man, if I, like, I, I have several addictions that I've tried to break. Some I've been successful at, at dropping completely. Some are mm -hmm. still haunting me. Some come up and, and, and sneak up on me and grab me once in a while. But I know what it's like when I'm like standing in front of my vice. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just start again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then I'm weak. I, I wonder what keeps you strong and what you struggle with and how you stay accountable. When you come up against wow. it, when you're really struggling, you're like, okay, I can have this donut or I can stay yeah. on my goal. You gotta have a higher purpose, I guess, that drives you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll say number one is just I think I'm fortunate in terms of my personality type. Okay. As in I am I am and have always been very I'm not easily influenced. You're high on conscientiousness though? Extremely high on conscientiousness, extremely low in neuroticism. Okay. So I'm not emotional I'm very unemotional. Mm. Um you know, for better or for worse, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like two, like I got two on neuroticism out of a hundred. Yeah, like two. I, me too. So yeah, so so it means I'm I'm not prone to anxiety or depression or any kind of mental health problems or issues or addictions or anything like that, that's, which is fortunate. Yeah, and I'm very and naturally, very, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. yeah, I'm naturally disciplined. So if I'm not doing something productive, I feel bad, mm. right? So I don't I don't have a TV in this house. I don't have a I've got like a projector. I've got an Xbox. I haven't turned it on this year because if I'm playing video games, I'm like, man, no, there's something else I could be doing that's more productive. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm naturally wired like that. So okay. some of it isn't necessarily me doing anything. I'm just I've been like that since I was a child. Like my parents will vouch like, yeah, I've just been like that. Just born that way. Um, and then in terms of outside stuff, I would say certainly my faith helps. So if I'm struggling with something or I'm just I'm very grateful. I'm, I'm very I'm very grateful person. Um, 
I can be a little bit cynical and cautious just mm. because of the way the world is. So yeah. there's some things that, you know, I can be a little bit critical of the world sometimes and whatnot, but I'm extremely grateful. And I have a good sense of perspective having grown up in across three different countries and cultures and sort of seen traveled to over 30 countries. I've seen a lot of the world and I've seen true hardship. I've seen true poverty. No, I haven't lived through it. And I'm grateful I haven't lived through it. Amen. But I've seen but I've seen what it looks like. And it's just given me this lens and perspective on the world where I'm like, you know, there's so many thousands of things I can be grateful for. So I try not to complain. I've got really great friends. I've got a fantastic family. I've got I'm, I come from a big family. You know, I've got two, four siblings. I've got nine nieces and nephews. My parents are wonderful. They're still together. I was hanging out with them this weekend. Awesome. So, yeah, you know, so I've got a really, really tight family. Um, great friends and yeah. And then I guess I try to be, um, I think just be, again, just trying to be authentic helps just kind of putting my, it's cathartic for me. And oh, I'll tell you another one is, is fitness, fitness, being in, being in shape, going to the gym. That's like my, that's been like a ritual for me for like 15 years, you know, just that's the one place where I don't think about anything else. I just go in there. I train. It's something that I can constantly constantly be working on and i think that really does help to ground me a lot i find if i if i take like four or five days off the gym i start getting like quite edgy and i, I kind of lose my it kind of feels like on I'm, your mind eh? yeah i feel yeah. like i'm permanently hungry that's what it's like like i i become my my temper becomes a little like i've, I've got a super long temper but i become a little more snappy and mm. a bit more moody and stuff like that Interesting. so yeah i think for me it's that it's um partially personality and then just um, having a big goal, uh, my personal faith, having great family, great friends, trying to be authentic, trying to improve myself, and all those things combined, just yeah, they help me just kind of stay on the stay on the straight and narrow, I guess you could say. My brother, I love you, man. I appreciate your time. It's uh, it's been nothing but positivity. Uh, I've learned a little bit. Uh, watching your feed, and uh, I think it's cool that you still make time for the little guys. Uh, I got CC Bucko coming on next week. Uh, oh, awesome! Yeah, CC's <laughs> yeah. cool, man. Robin, uh, I've been following her for a, a long time. Uh, I love her take too, and the strength of a yeah. strong woman to have a conservative <laughs> take or, a, a, or any of her takes and just yeah. stand be, behind it. I, I'm really looking forward to talking to her too. So uh, I look forward to getting. Uh, down with a little bit more of your content, especially Gad Sad. Uh, just on the way out, tell me about Gad, the Gadfather. Isn't yeah, he the no, most a, beautiful he's a, man? He's, he's a, <laughs> that's, my, that's my that's my beautiful sister of color right there. Yeah, yeah we're, color, I did see that tweet. We, we stand we stand in solidarity. Yeah, man. Oh, I appreciate uh, everything you're doing and uh, much success to you. Much love from across Thank the you pond. Very much. And, uh, bro, if you ever find yourself in Niagara Falls or even in the Toronto area, I'm only an hour yeah. outside of Toronto, love to hang awesome. with you, man. It would be awesome to put no, my arm around I'll, you. I'll be there at some point. I've been before, so I'll come again. All right, Zuby. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate good luck. You. Have a good one, bro. Right, Take care. Peace. <laughs> now can I figure out how to turn this thing off, Zub? Don't spell my name wrong. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Peace. Take care, man. That was Zuby. If you need him, add Zuby Music Ooh. on Twitter. Check him out. Uh, let's see if we can stop this recording now. Uh, add Zuby Music on Twitter. Did get some. Uh, 
video of them that's just uh, rendering it looks like now man I I'm glad that my picture is so small and that uh, his is so large good looking dude man and fit at Zuby music he is Oxford educated a British rapper um, all positivity with his raps He's the podcast of the host, uh, Real Talk with Zuby. You can catch him on YouTube. Uh, author of the book, Strong Advice. It's about uh, fitness and training. And uh, he's a coach, self-described free thinker. I think that's awesome. And an inspiration for now, what, millions of people? Well, he's got 120,000 followers across all platforms of social media. Perseverance, the best of Zuby is available now ever. It's like his best, uh, greatest hits, I guess. And uh, just a really sweet human being. So I really appreciate the time. And as mentioned, don't want to jinx it, but uh, CC Bucko, if you haven't uh, been introduced to her Twitter feed, uh, it's amazing. Uh, she speaks with a Irish slash Newfoundland accent. So how do you think she's, she sounds? Uh, a Newfie Irish uh, accent. Um, I think she's across the pond. She's going to be coming in next week, I think next Thursday. I don't have the date right in front of me. Uh, but you can tune in to catch CC Buckle next week. And, of course, we'll get some, uh, some rants out to you in the next uh, few days as well just to fill the content. Uh, I, I think I've got a, uh, a call out to uh, uh, Doug Ford. Doug? Um, I know you have a majority government, and I respect it, and that's why I didn't go to your governance halls. <laughs> but for anyone that's watching now, I know, Doug, you're not, but to my local conservative um, uh, MPP, uh, I, I got I to chime in. Do not amalgamate. Do not make us three cities. You'll just make us hate each other more. You know what you can do? You can kill the region. Kill the region. It's... <laughs> a bloated bureaucracy that doesn't do anything but get in the way of our uh, production as uh, autonomous uh, um, independent communities uh, so the 12 of them uh, I'm going to get that one out soon and I got a commission coach rant uh, I got to get out it's about a minute long and we'll get that out uh, the commission coach does have a channel at the commission coach on twitter you can find us on facebook still selling real estate at team niagara.ca um at Team Niagara on Twitter, teamniagara.ca on the interweb, obviously. Um, that's what I've been doing for the last 25 years. But, you know, it's, it's something that's made me incredibly passionate is the reduction, the downward pressure on uh, listing commissions. And I just think it's uh, irresponsible if you're a realtor in today's day and age and you're taking a, a, a listing commission and giving less than the most common rate to the selling broker, the buyer broker, the co-op that is common in the market, then you're doing a disservice to your people. And uh, so, yeah, look for that. Before we come out with CC Bucko next week, I'm looking forward to that at Jim Fannin, at the Jim Fannin Show, and we'll talk to you soon. And check us on uh, YouTube. Man, we've seen some cool growth. No, no substantial but for me substantial uh, YouTube's been showing some growth and a lot more activity and comments uh, uh, youtube.com slash Jim Fannin is where you find it 
and we will talk to you soon. Oh, don't forget, go check out uh, rockartown.ca for all Niagara music, 24 hours a day. It would be awesome if you put this on at your place of business, especially if you own a business. Put it on the background. There's no offensive language. There's no offensive genres of music. It's all kind of middle of the road. Excuse me, middle of the road. Go check out rockartown.ca and get to know your uh, Niagara music scene. All right? I don't think there's anything else. Thank you, Zuby. Go check him out at Zuby Music and go check out his his video uh, that he put up there um, crushing the British women's deadlift uh, record while he... Um, I don't think he actually uh, copped to this in our interview, but he was identifying as a woman at the time, and so he wants to be recognized as being the record holder because although he was a man when he came on the show today, when he broke the record, he was a woman. So at realestate.teamniagara.ca if you want to send me an email. Otherwise, get a hold of me on social media. I'm out.